0: Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. Hello everybody and welcome into episode 16 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. I'm your host, Glenn Hawkersmith, as always. And I just want to thank you for taking time to, uh, to join us today. Today, we're going to be speaking with Bill Ryman. Bill is a builder and a real estate broker in the Naples, Florida, Marco Island, Florida area. And he specializes in custom build luxury homes. So we're going to talk to him um, about his past, how he got started in the business, what's going on down there in the Florida market, and also we're going to learn some things from him about what you should should look out for when you are looking to build or purchase a new home, a custom-built home, and, and he's going to give us some advice on that. So I hope you enjoy it, and we're going to get right to the interview. All right, so today's guest is Bill Ryman. Bill grew up in the construction business and knows just about everything there is to know about building a home. He is not only vice president of award-winning RK Ryman Construction, but also president and associate broker of Ryman Properties, Inc., serving Marco Island, Florida. Bill is also the host of the Real Build podcast, where he teaches people what they need to look for before buying, building, or selling a home. Bill Ryman, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule today. And, uh, so make me jealous real quick and tell me what the weather's like down there in South Florida, where you are
1: right now. Yeah. First off, Glenn, thank you for having me. Uh, and as far as the weather right now, actually, um, it's probably in the seventies as we speak. I think the high is going to be the 80 low
0: eighties today. So. Yeah. Perfect. Beautiful weather as always. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming into March here, so we're starting to to look up a little bit. I think we've been in the sixties for the past couple days, so it feels like a heat wave going (laughs) on here. So
1: cold dust is is at night here. It's been in the fifties recently. We just had a little cold snap, so that's cold to me.
0: Yeah, I've got a a sister in the Clearwater area and and I, I see her posting. You know, about how cold it is. It got into the fifties and I'm like, just, just go somewhere still on the beach. posting (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) So, so, so we know about the weather. So let's tell me a little bit about what the market's like down there right now. I assume just like it is here and probably everywhere else around the country, super low inventory, uh, bidding wars, home selling, you know, in a day or less, um, what's going on down there in your neck of the woods.
1: Yeah, it's just like you said. It's pretty much bidding wars. I mean, I I'm working with a client now. A few of them. Some of them are kind of on a holding pattern because they're where they're feeling. uh, I got a lot of buyers that are kind of in tune with what's going on, and a lot of them are kind of feel we're at a peak right now. Uh, So a lot of them are in just holding patterns. If something pops up that screams at them uh, i'll go look at it for them but it's just anything that pops up is flying off the shelves uh, it's sight on a lot of stuff sight unseen i had a house two days ago that popped up my guy uh texts me on sunday at uh, it was like nine at night. He's like, Hey, check into this property. I was like, it's going to be gone. I mean, it's, it's, and there was one picture on the listing, by the way, too. Right. it was just the front elevation of the house. So I was like, this one's kind of small, blah, blah, blah. I kind of gave him my spiel on it and how I fell for the money, but, uh, we didn't end up looking at it and lo and behold, the next day it sold. So with one picture on the MLS, which is insane to me.
0: So yeah, that's pretty typical picture. <laughs> <laughs> And I, it, not to talk bad about other agents, but I just can't, I don't care how quickly homes are selling. I can't bring myself to put that little effort into, into a listing. You know, I got to bring it every time
1: <laughs> you, you have to, I mean, even uh, how long it's just, you're, you're representing yourself, obviously. And people that image is going to be inside those people's heads of how you went. I mean, even if it sells in a day, like I sold, I ended up selling a lot recently, uh, an empty lot. And I sold it in less than a week, but I still did video marketing for it. I still, you know, did my marketing video. I still did good pictures. I still did drone shots. Like, you know, it's it's doing that extra stuff that matters in my opinion, no matter how the market is, but you're always going to have lazy agents. I mean, there's, you know, agents that are listening to this that put in work there's lazy, and they know lazy agents too. I mean, it's just the nature of this business.
0: Absolutely. And you and I both know this, this business is changing. It's getting more and more important for us to be able to, to show our value to our clients. And you know, when you, when you do stuff like that, it it's, it, <laughs> I don't think it helps you. That's for sure. No. Um, no. so you, it, it, it surprises me that you are still out there working with buyers as a broker and are you full owner or part owner of the brokerage?
1: So, the so yeah, the Ryman Properties, it, I'm full owner, obviously. Uh, and it was, I'm still, so my story, I'm still working with another broker. So, I'm still a broker associate. I haven't fully executed. Ryman. So, I, my main thing with Ryman Properties was I was like, all right, do I want to open my own brokerage? Do I want to have agents under me? And then, obviously, life happens, schedule happens, How there's only one of me. Um, I wish I could clone myself multiple times. I was actually going to try and open a rental business, too, for vacation rentals. And I had to pump the brakes on that. Because my main focus has always been the construction side of thing. That's my passion. I love construction. I love building houses. I love seeing these homes from the ground up take shape. Uh, real estate's a big part of that. Uh, last year, you know, obviously with my real estate, I had a really good year. I did over, I think 20 million total, 25 million in sales total. Awesome. Uh, and that was mostly part-time. So, I mean, cause I'm not fully into real estate as I am into construction. So to answer your question, I started thinking about like, now there's different avenues opening up. I'm talking to different brokerages because I'm kind of looking into, okay, how can I expand not only my real estate business, but the construction business as well into higher end luxury areas? What's a good fit for me with honor being under another brokerage or maybe even brokering that other brokerage too, as a friend, as a partner. So, um, yeah. Ryman properties is kind of just, it's, it's a brand. It's, it's a thing that I was doing for a little bit. I was going to kind of have agents other than me and then getting into seeing how brokerages are changing. Uh, I was like, do I really want to start my own and from scratch and compete with the big dogs, like the remaxes and all these guys. And there's all these hundred percent brokerages, which I didn't want to do because you got to have so many numbers and it's a lot of responsibility. And so it's, 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 life kind of takes you. I I don't know where I'm going to be in this year. Uh, There's, you know, I'm trying to grow. That's my main goal. Uh, always, Always is growth and, and more sales and stuff like that. So it's fine. And maybe possibly going with a different route, but we'll see.
0: Okay. Yeah. So that, that kind of answered one of my follow up questions, which was why in the heck start your own brokerage and why not just <laughs> hang your license with someone else and not take that. on all that expense and, and all the risk. And I, I, yeah. I know there are benefits to it. Uh, There's
1: benefit. I mean, on the building side, that's the reason it was a more benefit to our building side because I can list a property and just get paid in full on that side of the property and save money for the construction company rather than having a separate agent, having to pay them. I mean, you got to pay obviously the other agent that comes in on the other side of the listing, which is fine, but that kind of saved us money as a company there And so I started thinking, is, is that something I really wanted? I mean, that's the great part, but me as a solo agent, I'm like, okay, do I want to take on a team? Do I want to have that responsibility when I'm basically have a team under me for the construction business? So I'm running two different separate businesses once again. How much can I handle, you know, as one person? I mean, anybody there, you can do it if you put the right pieces in place. But then the brokerage model is changing so much that I was like, is this with EXP and virtual? And there's just so many different brokerages out there that are capital and they have the capital too, to have that extreme growth. I have a friend that's local, he opened up a real estate branch, he's 100% commission with fees. And it's taken him three years just to get like over, I mean, it's been a long time. I think he's got over hundred or 150 agents now, but still you kind of do the math in your head. It's like with the overhead and how much you got to keep expanding and so on and brick and mortar and all that. It's like, is it really worth it? Or should I just partner with somebody that has that name that's built that big brand and that, that is known for that luxury side too, in which we specialize in. So it's kind of experience over time, uh, learning what works best for you and what's the right fit. Sometimes having your name on something uh, is great, but in the long run, are you going to make money by doing it? Uh, obviously, Ryman Properties will be a brand. Um, I'll use that as my brand, my also brand, brand. And people buy you. I've learned that too. As as a real estate agent, it's not so much where you work. It's whether people like who you are nowadays, um, you know, I hung my license with one of the smaller real estate companies in in my area, and people weren't asking me, "Are you with Remax or are you with some of these big outfits?" They were, they were working with me because of me. They saw my video, they saw my social media stuff, they liked who I was, they wanted to work with me because of my expertise. That's why they're hiring you, not because of the company behind you.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, uh, especially for maybe newer agents who are just getting mm-hmm. into business. To remember is you're always selling yourself. And for yeah. instance, I work for probably the well, not probably the top broker here in the Southern Indiana market, and we're right on the we're right across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. We're not quite as big or well known in the city of Louisville, but I, I think we're number three now. And I tell people, yeah, the name can get you in the door, but once you get in the door, it's all about you. It's all about mm-hmm. you selling yourself and the service that you're going to provide for each individual client.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. It's not bad to go with one of the top brokerages or top broker in the area because it's the what you're going to learn, too. Right. You know, I'm big on, there's so many people getting real estate licenses right now. I mean, there. I think there's more realtors out there than actually property that's available, which is insane. So it's like, it, and there's a lot of realtors that are just getting in because their friends are making all kinds of money, blah, blah, blah. And they don't know that there's a lot of legwork that goes into this. I've been doing it for 10 years. I mean, and it's like, you know, I obviously doing building and stuff, I've learned how to leverage that into me making sales and so on but I've also learned you have to know the property you have to know everything about your area you have to know how a house, I recommend knowing how a house is built so you can talk to people and you don't just sit there like an idiot kind of when they ask you a hard question um, but a lot of that experience can come from a good broker and working under somebody I even say like I don't know if you, the Ryan Serhan thing, because he's said it uh, multiple times. He's in, people that are listening don't know this. He's probably a top broker in New York City. But he even said he goes, work under somebody for a little bit, learn, um, you know, as much as you can, absorb as much as you can. And I agree with that too. I mean, if you can work under somebody even for free, nobody wants to work for free, but even for a little bit, uh, as somebody in the office to kind of see how these top brokers are doing business. you can learn years worth of knowledge that, that, you know, is, is irreplaceable. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So, uh, you're going to learn a lot more in person. I'm all about kind of learning, uh, actually out in a field or actually out in, and doing something rather than reading a book you know i mean books are good but
0: absolutely (laughs) true experience is better right right so and i want to get in definitely want to get into the to the construction side of things but um just a general question here in your market you serve marco island florida correct yeah in naples okay in naples so and i know you probably don't have this exact number but as far as vacation homes versus primary residences what's the what's the mix big mix
1: yeah it's mostly snowbird vacation uh secondary homes uh vacation rentals stuff like vacation rentals within the last three four years have blown up um but a lot of secondary homes a lot of a lot of snowbirds here so our season is now uh it's our craziness everybody's here covid's kind of changed some things people have been here a little bit longer um the summer months, especially August, September, are usually the slower months. And then everybody starts coming back October, November holidays. And then they're all here in January. Uh, you know, they all used to start seeing the trucks, pulling the cars down and so right. on. So
0: very seasonal here. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the construction business. You, you kind of grew up in it, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up in it since I was a little kid, uh, my dad was always in construction. So, uh, one of my biggest role models, obviously my dad, I got to shout out my mom too. She was, she listens to these. So, but, um, growing up, my dad was always working. He worked, uh, when I was a little kid, he was in the concrete business. Um, and then he started his own concrete business from nothing and kind of worked his way into custom homes and so on in Illinois. And then we came down to Florida, kind of summing up the story fast. But as a kid, I always worked. Um, He had us like whether we were sweeping his shop, doing little odds and ends around job sites or cleaning job sites or digging ditches for drain, you know, small, just all kinds of different things, too. But I learned the business. I learned to respect it. I always say it's a love-hate thing with construction (laughs) because I hated it back then. I love it now. Uh, you know, because as a kid doing that, your friends are all, and especially when we moved down this way, your friends are having a weekend, going to the beach, stuff like that. And I was working on jobs. So I uh, have a major respect for it, but that's, that's kind of what molded me into it is just growing up in it, having respect for it, uh, learning, seeing every single day how houses are built from the ground up here. And also watching my dad, who, was, you know, build a company from nothing down here and uh, gaining the the traction that he did just off of how he ran a business and and doing business the right way. Also helping clients, helping, uh, you know, keeping job sites clean, just taking care of people and doing building right. And I mean, that's why our company's been in business, family owned, operated for over 25 years down here. Uh, and me and my brother running everything along with my sister joined us. So she's doing our billing and everything and we're tight niche, uh, team, uh, have some other employees with us too, but it's, it's been good. We're keeping that reputation. We're in the higher end market now and you have to keep the attention to detail all the time. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you're constantly on your toes in this business. You look left and something could happen. You look right. Something else could happen you know, especially with these big houses and you have to be able to resolve problems. So that's why I love it. Keeps me,
0: keeps me going. <laughs> yeah, your reputation in, in the building business is everything.
1: Yeah. Big time, big time. Yeah. And I have, I have a big respect for, um, building. I, my podcast, I interview all kinds of different builders. A lot of them have the same, uh, attention to detail and, and drive for quality and just doing things the right way as I do. So I got a lot of respect for these guys, but there's also the downfalls of building and it's happening now. You see it every time things are busy. Uh, A lot of guys come out of the woodworks. We got a lot of remodel guys all of a sudden becoming builders because they think there's more money in it, but it's a hard process down here. It's not easy. And if you don't have that on job experience, I mean, there's guys that went, went to school, got their license just by the books or they went to college for it, stuff like that, but it's a different world without true outfield experience, like being out in the trenches and seeing jobs, you know, how a job runs and so on. So that's the downfall of like times, like now there's a ton of guys out there. They're offering lower prices. Um, people, I always just tell people, you gotta be careful.
0: Sure. So in, in speaking of that, so for the benefit of anybody listening, who's thinking of either having a custom home built or buying a new construction spec home, whatever it may be, what, what's the best piece of advice that you could give to that person going into the process?
1: My biggest piece of advice would be do your research as much as possible. Um, a lot of the areas you're going to look in, you could find out a lot about certain builders. Uh, I'd ask for references too. People ask me for references. They ask me for a couple of them. I give them 10 you know that's just how i am i they say hey can i get a couple references off you i send them 10 people 10 different phone numbers they can call each one of those references will rave about us uh, i can send them 20 if i wanted to so it's it and another thing is it's not all about a number uh price is a heavy heavy thing that people look at And when they're shopping builders and you have to get past that price mindset. And I hate to say this because we're all kind of programmed for that. You know, we want the best price and I don't blame people, but the best price isn't always going to be the best way to go. especially in new construction, especially in custom home building. Now, if you're doing a track home production home, those are all built the same. Uh, you know, there's not much difference in anything. Okay. You want to find the best price there, but if you're building a custom home and I deal with people trying to build a 2 million, I'm deal- dealing with a guy right now. That's trying to build a 2 million 2.5. It came in around two and a half million. And you know, he wants to be at like 2 million and I'm telling him, all right, we got to shrink the house. Well, what if we take out this, this, and this, or can you lower your percentage? you know, this is a big house. You should be able to lower your, what you're putting in your pocket, this and that. Well, why would and I, my response to him was this, why would I lower it for you? I have two, two other 6,000 plus square foot houses I'm building right now. And they're willing to pay me every penny because of, they know our quality. They know who we are. They know the finished product that they're going to get. So why should I treat you any different? You know, it's just things like, and you got to get these people past that. And some people, they won't, some people are just number driven. Uh, they go, then they go through the experience. I, I have a guy and I cringe every time I see the other builder sign in front of his front yard, but the builder, he would not get past the price with us. And, um, he went with this other specific builder that is known for lower price doing a lower price, but his quality is God awful. I had a lot of lawsuits against him. Uh, a lot of different issues with other customer leak issues in the houses and all that. But you know, we, I, I warn them, I don't bash other builders. I just say, do your research.
0: Yeah. It's the old adage. You get what you pay for, or at least yeah. you hope you get what you pay for.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you can, and you don't, you also want to be smart about it too, because like I try and spell out as much detail as possible for people because it is a big investment and, and, you know, I can say I can be a high price guy. I'm, I always tell them I'm not the highest price. I'm not the lowest price, but we're going to, we're good. We're kind of in that middle. We're going to give you a good finished product, just like the high price guy, but we're not building out of gold. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's you have, but you have to kind of explain things too, set the expectation up front of what they're getting, how your process goes, make them feel comfortable. Cause unfortunately, I mean, down here, it's a lot of second home owners and maybe they were screwed some way on their first home up North or, you know, it's just, you don't know. And they're hesitant and they got a bad taste in their mouth for builders. And it's no different than the real estate industry too. I mean, there's a lot of bad realtors out there just like there's a lot of bad builders and the reputation you know it just it gets at one person can ruin the whole entire
0: reputation of everybody else so So. and you're you're primarily a custom home builder correct do you do any spec homes or track homes
1: we do spec. Yeah. So we'll spec here and there right now. We're not, we're just doing custom. Uh, it's just a lot of it's market. Um, by the time we finish our homes, they're over a year in the process. We probably could do one now and sell it at slab or something, but then that customer it's just, you to put the money out there and, and it's always a risk. You just don't know. Um, right now what th- the way things are, we're just kind of sticking with customs. We have enough work. Uh, plenty of people wanting to build right now. So our main focus is on people, but we do do spec homes. Uh, not so much any kind of track home stuff, no, just custom.
0: So as far as, if, if someone's trying to make that determination right now, can you talk about some of the pros and cons between building a custom home and a spec home? I think some of them are obvious. Uh, cost is one thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it just depends on what the motivation is of of the of the consumer
1: yeah i mean so spec home spec means we're specing to build for somebody to rebuy versus custom it's customized for a specific person just to clarify that for your listener and and custom i mean we're doing customs because we're customizing the home for that specific person uh spec is more if we decide to do something maybe with an investor or if we decide to do something uh, ourselves out of our own company pocket and sell it for a profit too. So on spec it, it's you got to build it. Obviously, you're building it at, at your cost and then you got to try and make some kind of profit on it. It just depends how the market is. So if right now I finish a spec, I'd probably make a ton of profit because there's such a demand versus other times it's you just don't know, you know and, and where the caliber of house you do and so on. A lot of investors, I mean they'll spec stuff, they'll do it as cheap as possible that's why I don't really like resale construction. I wouldn't recommend it uh, on the higher end of stuff like the luxury end, because if you usually know there's an investor involved, it may look pretty, but a lot there was a lot of corners cut because they're trying to maximize as much profit as possible versus doing a custom home. You kind of know upfront what you're getting. You can make those choices. You can make the selections that are quality uh, and we kind of guide you along the way with that too we don't cut corners. We won't do anything under, um, I've had people call me. It's probably every week now asking, Hey, can you build for this budget or Hey, can we maybe just kind of do this and I'll finish that. We won't do that. We're turnkey. Uh, we want it done right. especially if we're going to put our name on it and warranty it. So I always, I've turned a lot of people down in that aspect too. I've also had investors approach us. They never go with us cause they don't like our price and they go with the cheaper guy that sure. offers a lower percentage and then they build with that guy and the house falls apart. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, and, and speaking of cost, I, I was listening to one of your episodes of your podcast and, and you were talking about the difference between being a cost plus builder and a fixed cost builder. Mm-hmm. So can you explain that a little bit and why that might matter to the client?
1: It, yeah, so there, uh, there's a different, we, we just mostly started taking on co- just cost plus client clients as of recent, probably the last year, just because we are so custom, uh, it actually benefits the client. So the downfall, so everybody's argument with cost plus is, uh, it's an open checkbook, uh, and the builder's just going to want to run everything up because they make more profit. You have to have a trust for that builder. I always say this off the bat. If you don't trust that builder, then cost plus isn't going to work because you're going to be on your toes thinking the builder's out to screw you. Uh, With us, I'm not that way. I kind of establish that trust up front by recommending things where they can save money. That's just the way we are. We've always been that way, even on a fixed cost project, too. I mean, if to make five thousand, ten thousand extra dollars on a build, like that's nothing in the scheme of and I hate to say ten thousand is nothing, but when you got eight projects going on too, you want that customer as happy as possible. And especially in the larger higher end caliber, there's stuff that they don't need. I mean, I had a guy I met with yesterday. He was iffy about cost plus. Now he's all for it after I explained how the process goes, but I had a guy yesterday, he has a fireplace in the master bedroom. It's Florida, you know, like you're never going to use that thing. You're never going to light it. It's, it's another $4,000 plus the, or the fireplace itself is probably f- almost 4,000 plus the surrounding box of the fireplace that we have to build out and whatever extravagant built in he does there is probably another 10,000. So there's $14,000 in savings right there. Why do you need that? hang a TV on the wall like everybody else in a master bedroom and have your fireplace in the focal points of the house that everybody's going to be able to use it. So, you know, stuff like that, I always explain upfront, front and, and, it, and I think that kind of helps establish the trust barrier the trust factor that, okay, this guy's here to help me save some money. Like he had 180 something thousand dollars staircase in this house. I said, we can just frame this thing out. I, I know you wanted us. And these were floating treads, treads. If anybody knows what a floating staircase is, they're unbelievable. And I get what he was doing. Cause you can see it from the front windows and everything on this house this is a three story house. Um, f- probably 5,000 square feet. But, uh, so we eliminated those stairs and we did it a different way. still looks appealing, but probably cut the cost by like $50,000. So, You know, there's just these little things that you build the trust factor with cost plus that's the only argument people have I have a builder right now I'm building for he's out of Ohio he wouldn't do it any other way He said I'm only doing cost plus my dad built a house in South Carolina after being a builder for over 30 years, he did cost plus. That's if your builder's doing it and thinks it's okay, it's the better way to go. You should probably listen to the builder. (laughs) Now everybody's argument on the fixed cost side is that, okay, the problem with fixed costs is they start super low end and everything else is an upcharge. So what I'm going to do with fixed costs is I'm going to start you on the low end. And then I'm also going to pad up certain costs too, that I'm uncertain about just to make sure I'm covered. So this is how I explain this lumber. Lumber is through the roof right now. It keeps, it's, uh, it's going up and up and up. So what am I going to do with the, my lumber price? Because more than likely, we're not going to even get started on your house for three, four months after we sign, the, or after we get this process of plans, all that, and the pricing done. So lumber is going to keep going up. So I'm going to pad on that price. You know, so if I'm doing 40000 in lumber, I'm going to pad that up to 60000 just to make sure I'm covered. So, and they're not going to know that if, cause, so if they, they pay under in lumber, say we end up building a house and they pay 40,000 in lumber and I charged them 60 off the front end, they'll never know it's fixed cost. That's more profit in my pocket. Sure. So if you explain it to them like that, it makes a difference because cost plus they're seeing every bill that comes in every transaction. So everything we pay, they're going to pay on top of our percentage especially in custom homes, it works a lot better. Uh, in other, pro, you know, smaller homes, I get it. Fixed cost is the way to go when you're doing three-bedroom, three-baths, or three-bedroom, two-baths. But when you're doing 5,000 square feet, 6,000 square feet, six-bedroom, six-and-a-half baths, floating stairs, wine rooms, all this stuff, there's a lot of... Quite, you know blanks there that you know, and I'm getting a lot of Pinterest pictures of what I want. <laughs> so, you know, I have to kind of structure it that way to make it. I hate to use the word fair, but fair sure. to both parties too, and the process a lot easier.
0: Well, and from my perspective, if I know what you're making and it's out yeah. there and known, hey, that you know to me right? that that builds trust right there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not guessing. You know what? What is he making off this house? And you know, it, <laughs> you and I both know the the cost of new construction has just skyrocketed over the past couple of years. And it's mm-hmm. it's not because builders all of a sudden decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take our profit from thirty percent or whatever it is to fifty. It's because, and you mentioned it, lumber prices, the cost of of materials all over the place have just skyrocketed since since COVID. Um, and speaking of lumber prices, where are we now? I know last summer they had what almost quadrupled. They're uh,
1: back. to last summer, so they went down uh, for a little bit. I think in December ish, because the National Builders Association I think got involved, but now they've crept back up. Which knew that was coming. So um, it's it's insane. I mean, a piece of plywood's like fifty bucks. It's like it's just insanity. What lumber, and and that's one of the fears I actually have right now is you know there's so much demand not enough supply or there is the supply we have keeps going up i'm having issues getting appliances you know like in in the next year because i got all these big projects where are we going to be then you know if we're having issues now right uh unless things start opening back up quick and moving into this country again i that's the biggest fear too so I'm uh, I'm we'll glad see. you
0: said that. That that was my next question. Are are we still having trouble getting appliances and you just answered that. I know a lot of builders around here they're not even putting appliances in their in their new builds because they just can't promise that it's going to be there yeah. on closing day. So they're giving an allowance to the to the customer.
1: Yeah, which I think is the direction we're going to probably might, I don't know, right now we're okay, but it's just a lot of delay and a lot of unknown. So like I have a house, we're supposed to be closing beginning of April, it's probably going to get delayed till end because I can't get certain appliances in. So and then there's some other stuff that we can't get in. Then I heard on another house, we had an issue with a garbage disposal, we couldn't get certain horsepower garbage disposals. And then it was like, Um, there's just little things that keep popping up. Windows and doors go up. Aluminum prices are going up. Roofing goes up. Like eventually, this is just going to keep happening to where it prices certain people out of the market, and then, uh, then you run into an issue. Yeah, and you know that's just like real estate. I mean, the real estate keeps climbing, keeps climbing, and then all of a sudden it's like there's people priced out. So. Demand slows down, and then what happens? Prices begin to fall. So it's right. like, when is this? Nobody remembers the past. Uh, I mean, I hate to talk talk negative. I hope it keeps going the way it is. I mean, it's good for everybody right now, but I mean, what goes up must come down. You got to be smart.
0: Yeah, and honestly, uh, speaking of the market, and I know everybody thinks it's great right now, but I don't, I don't think it's healthy. When, when you no. have such an imbalance, um yeah, and one. like you said you're, we're pricing people out of the market there's no such thing as a starter home anymore really no um if you're someone with fha or va financing you might as well <laughs> you might as well just give up on 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 some of these homes you just you just can't compete
1: well yeah that's the red flag i tell people to watch out for too is there's builders in my market that are selling homes at a certain square foot price and i do not know how they're doing it. It is almost impossible to make any kind of profit. They got to be losing money Uh, and they're still selling at these. So what I tell people once again, back to the price factor, the lowest guy isn't always the best guy. Do your research, go interview some guys, see where that average price per square foot comes in at. And then if that low guy keeps standing out to you and you go to him, guess what? You're probably going to end up getting screwed some way, somehow. Because what's going to happen, what that guy's doing, and I've seen it repetitively over the years, especially when times get busy like this, these guys take on so much work, 30 contracts, 40 contracts all at once, job sites start sitting because what are they doing? They're taking from the back end that deposit that you're making when you sign that contract to finish something in the front end because they got so much money out in trucks and guys and workers and they got ahead of themselves. They moved too fast. They got greedy. So basically what they're doing is they're robbing Peter paying Paul to keep. So the guy on the back end usually gets burnt. The people that get their houses finished usually get burnt too, because their warranty issues happen and they can't get to the warranty issues because they're too busy with the other crap going on. So be very, very careful, and I preach this to people all the time. Some listen, but most don't, unfortunately, because <laughs>
0: numbers always talk. Exactly, so. it always comes down to that number. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when you're you're selling at a lower cost like that, you you got to cut corners somewhere.
1: You mm-hmm. know. Oh yeah, uh, there's a lot of corners getting cut big time.
0: So what are what are some of the the newer, more popular trends you're seeing in the luxury home market right now. Um, What are some of the must-haves and what are some of the things that used to be must-haves that have kind of fallen out of favor, if anything comes to mind?
1: Uh, trend wise, you're seeing a lot of clean lines, a lot of cleaner design. It's going a little more towards modern, but not super modern. Uh, there's still, you know, some colors popping and this is in my area mainly, but I'm sure it's pretty much everywhere. The coastal home kind of look shiplap everywhere is kind of on the way out. Now it's more towards a cleaner, modern, sleeker design. A lot of ceiling details, less mold, the crown molding everywhere. Uh, you have your woods that kind of pop and lighter colors, a ton of light colors, not so much dark on the walls. No, the beige is kind of out unless it's a super light hint of beige. Grays are kind of on the way out, which I never was in for the gray walls because gray is gray, gray is gloomy. So in my opinion, that I knew that trend was going to be out real quick. So now people are doing more lighter colors, kind of like what's on my wall here. This is a hint of beige, looks white right now in your video. But, um, you know, uh, doors, hardware, single panel doors, uh, still shaker, cabinetry here and there. Some modern cabinetry, uh, floating cabinetry, toe kick lights. Um, line rooms are more modern looking we did some walnut cabinetry on our model home recently There's just it's a lot of different detail like a lot of led strip lighting and coves and ceilings and to illuminate everything a lot of smart home technologies coming into the picture now where people are spending you know 130 140,000 just on smart home capability and especially where we're at just because they can control the house from everywhere see everything they want that when they're not there uh, and, um, big pools, uh, pools are, you know, focal points in the pools, waterfalls, all kinds of different fun things and pools. And yeah, there's uh, outdoor living's huge here. Um, especially this time of year when it's nice out, people like to kind of open the house up and drop screens. So we do automatic roll down screens and hurricane shutters, obviously impact glass, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different. Trends, not so much the trend on the way out. There was always Mediterranean kind of Tuscan style homes here. Those are on the way out. The big heavy arches, dark, dark interiors, columns everywhere. Division within the rooms. People want more openness. Great rooms where everything is kind of one giant open room. Uh, big master bedrooms, Big the bathrooms, they want more like a spa kind of luxury feel. Uh, walk-in closets, tons of storage here because we don't have basements. So there's a lot of different things that
0: people are doing. Is it has anything changed in your opinion since COVID? It, it, and I ask, and it may be different for you just because you're you're more of a, a luxury custom builder, and I would assume your clients are are building bigger homes have always been and probably will continue to be. But I know. One of the trends in the real estate market is the millennials. They're not building the the big McMansions anymore. They they want something smaller. They're more into experiences. They want to spend more time outside of the home. And I feel like since COVID, people have started looking for that bigger, more sprawling home again, more outdoor space. Like you said, mm-hmm. so it's kind of maybe uh, clashing uh, trends here. Ed, do you see any of that in in your business?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, obviously Florida has been one of the most open states out of everything, but it's, we're getting a ton of different people from all over because they want that freedom of being able to live a normal life, I guess, um, <laughs> uh, so it's, you know, and a lot of them, you know, are able to work. So office is a big thing now having a home office like I did. This is a bedroom in my house. I made this my office. And then I got another one that's like, I don't have kids right now. So utilize these rooms. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I got I, I like space in my home too. Um, you know, I, I don't think I can be in something small, like an apartment or anything. I was in that at a certain time. And remember apartment and living very well but uh, <laughs> uh i've worked very hard so it's just and people are kind of going towards they just want everything open um more the study obviously we're doing a lot of studies towards the water now so where they have a view if they do uh because they're still doing you know a lot of these guys who are still working from home conference calling on zoom stuff like that so they want a nice office spot, uh, just more gathering area, but then also separation in the house too. In some ways, like if in the upstairs, we do lofts, uh, for kids, fam, other family members that kind of keep them in their own space as well. But I mean, I talked to a lot of builders out of California and what's prices the way they are, they're doing some affordable stuff like sheds in the backyard uh the she sheds and you know stuff like that. Uh to kind of um you know give people more space now that they're they've been stuck inside. Uh people are turning garages that I know into gyms, home gyms. Um my girlfriend has actually just did that to my garage, not a full gym. I could still park my Jeep in there. But uh yeah, she's use, uh, using that as, like, a gym. So you're seeing a lot of more of that. People want With the higher-end market, though, people are doing more fitness rooms now, I've noticed, uh, where they can work out from home. And, um, yeah, I mean, just more space, more office, because people are home, they're, and if family comes in town, too, they want space for their family as uh, much as possible, but also want to keep everybody kind of separate so they're not on top of each other.
0: Yeah, I have uh we have 5 kids, so that's in very that's very important in our house for people to be able to get away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who's your typical client? Who who's your typical customer who comes to you and wants to build build a custom home?
1: yeah mine is uh, a lot of people from the midwest i deal with a lot of midwest on this coast has always been kind of a midwest coast the other coast has been kind of more northeast but we get a lot of people from the northeast too but um you know mine is somebody that clicks with me meshes with me real well off the bat i've noticed that too like you know, people buy into you, they don't like you, especially in this industry, or they don't click with you, then it's not going to be a good fit. And you, and especially in the relationship that we have to have with certain people, I got to be able to kind of mesh with them. Like a lot of my customers are my friends now, you know, I, I consider them like, I got one guy, who will text me with, uh, it, you know, his house issues at night, but he knows I'll respond. Like he's a, he's a friend of mine. Um, great guy. You know, he just wants certain things done I get it done for him. He knows that. So, and he's a business guy too, and he respects how we operate and so on. So I make a a lot of good friendships. Um, I got another customer we built for that wants to film do my filming and he's, you know, he's retired and he's got cameras and he's got a drone and wants to drone some houses for us. And, so you know you kind of make those friendships. I do a home watch thing too, uh, with a lot of these people to maintain a, the relationship. But yeah, my typical customer is oh man, it's all over the board. It's just I guess um, yeah, you know, somebody looking for a second home that wants good quality construction. They know our reputation. Uh, I kind of over the years have learned how to how to kind of pick people out of the crowd too, that I know I'll work well with that aren't just looking at numbers and aren't going to be, you know, just constantly complaining about pricing and all that kind of stuff where they're going to put that trust in us that we're going to do a good job, but also kind of guide them along the way, as far as not going extreme out of budget, I have the people in place for that. So yeah, I guess that kind of answers the question.
0: Yeah. And and once again, it goes back to fit and, the older you get the more experience you get the more you learn who you, who mm-hmm. you like to work with who you don't and and who's going to be a good fit and who's not so yeah it going back to the real estate market and the inventory shortage that we have what, other than building more homes which is the obvious answer what do you think how do how do we solve this inventory shortage how do we convince people to to And they have legitimate fears Uh, a lot of people I know are, they're kind of on the fence. They would like to sell, they would like to move, but they're terrified that they're going to list their home, sell it and have nowhere to go. So uh, from a broker and agent perspective, how do you think we can, we can try to solve this issue?
1: That's tough. I, Because it's like you said, I mean, I think about it personally. I mean, I I bought at the beginning of COVID this house that I'm in now, and I got it at a good price when everybody was kind of scared and the market was kind of stale for a little. And then all of a sudden the market exploded, and then I could make really good profit. I had the same house as mine, similar style, everything just not redone. I redid all mine, uh, and it sold in less than 24 hours for – you know, crazy amount over what I paid for mine. So it's just, I think about that, but then it's like, where do I go? Um, so I'm one of those people too, right. that's like hesitant because you want to sell, but then there's not really much rental market out there for year end for year long rentals. Cause everybody's doing seasonal. So it's like that fear. So, you know, how it resolves is, I mean, the market kind of resolves it itself, unfortunately to where you know, demand so high, but there's not a. Then you kind of get buyers out of the market because the prices keep going up, and then eventually that turns into the market having to come down some way, somehow. So, so I mean, the only way is to kind of. You can't really price. You price stuff right, it sells. You price stuff a little over, it sells. So people don't really have the opportunity to get what they want. So there needs to be more inventory, but how do you get more inventory when people are afraid that they're not going to have somewhere else to go, you know, build costs are through the roof. So they can't really, I mean, you can build still for a better value than you can buying something, but then there's no dirt really available or lot selection. So I don't know. Yeah, it's kind question, of a vicious was, circle, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. To answer your question, it's like, I don't know. You have to let kind of the cycle take its course. Then what's going to happen next is probably not what everybody wants, but you always have that market dip. We've been in a quite the steady rise for a while now, longer than your typical. Uh, there hasn't been a real extreme pullback. I hope that pullback isn't anything like we experienced in 2008. But is there going to be one? Yes. Uh, is there people that haven't really thought about that? Yes, because they're buying at the peak um, because people don't really remember what happened. They kind of are stuck in the now and the FOMO, fear of missing out type deal. That's with anything, stock market, Bitcoin um uh, you know I do sports cards, stuff like that you know there's all kinds of investment opportunity real estate's a huge one um and it it just eventually somebody's gonna get burnt and it's usually the last guy and then it comes back down and markets open up people can sell but they're not going to get as much for their house. So it's just the nature of the beast I sure. hate to say, I don't have an answer I don't know
0: well and it's you know uh, some people don't have a choice but to buy right now yeah. you know uh, the, the choice is, to buy and and pay your own, own mortgage or to rent and pay someone else's mortgage. In a lot of instances now, yeah. it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent. Yeah. So when I tell people they want to ask me, well, if, well what's it going to be worth in two years? Well... <laughs> I wish I could tell you that, you know? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: because advice I'd give them, though, too, is just if you do buy, obviously, you're going to buy at the price you're buying. But try and look for something you can fix up. Put some sweat equity into it, too. I mean, you put your own personal sweat equity into it, like little odds and ends you can do, like you know, take a weekend and have your family paint some walls and stuff. Paint does a huge number on certain, I mean, on houses, it changes the whole house, especially a lighter color. And, you know, you can do like faces of cabinets. You got old cabinets on there. Keep the boxes. That's a lot of the money right there and just swap out the faces with a similar color and, and just do something a little more modern, change the hardware on the cabinets get new appliances, 0% financing. Like there's a lot of sweat equity you can put into a house right now that, you know, eventually, you know, if the market tanks or goes down the house, it's going to, the value is going to come back eventually. Now you're just paying at a lower rate. The rates are still low. I know they ticked up a little, but it's still at 32 Yeah, they're still ridiculously like low. On. You know, I think I pay like 32 two on my house. I never refinanced when it was in the twos, but it's just... Yeah, I mean rates are so low still. Still an opportunity, but not a lot of inventory.
0: Yeah, and I harp on that with with my buyer clients is try to find something that you can add value to. Mm. Yes, that you are buying at the top of the market, but if you can find a home where you can add value like you said, whether it's just painting or painting the cabinets or replacing the countertops or you know, maybe it's got an unfinished basement that you can finish out and add another bedroom or add another living space. That's a, that's a big thing. Um, and a smart way to buy, I think, um, because mm-hmm. you know, we know there aren't, there are not many deals out there in this market right now. So you kind of have to kind of have to make area. your own deal. Yeah. <laughs> same here. I mean, I'm, I'm looking, I'm
1: thinking of doing it myself. I've been in this house uh, once a year markets. Cause you know, capital gains, stuff like that, at least like short-term capital gain or whatever, if I can sell. Um, I'm always thinking ways. I mean, I think it's in our, you know, we're in real estate, so we're always probably thinking, you know, I don't have kids right now, so I can move easily. Uh, and I'm just looking for opportunity. If there's something out there in a certain price range that I can do the same thing I did to this house, why not sell this house, take the money and then move on to the next and maybe build one in the future. I don't know. So why not always, (laughs) yeah, always thinking
0: that's just how I'm programmed. Right. So I'm going to switch gears here real quick. I know we're kind of pushing up against our, our time, so I don't want to take too much of your time up. So real quick, um, what, if, if you could give agents one piece of advice um, on helping their clients either purchase a new build or, or guiding them through the building process or maybe they want to build a custom home and they've come to you for, for help, what, what advice would you give agents in that regard especially dealing with builders? Yeah,
1: I'd say, and the problem with a lot of agents, I'll, I'll speak for my area, not all of them, but a lot of them is they'll recommend like five builders. And, and then the, if the customer picks us, then I get that call from the agent because they find out and they're like, hey, do you give commissions? It's like, okay. Then I talk to the customer and they're like, yeah, they gave you, us your name and five or six other ones. It's like, come on you know, what did you do to earn that commission from us Like, you know, and, and most builders, I mean, not, I don't know. I can't speak for other builders. We pay a commission to uh, to agents. I think agents are a huge part of our business. I, I highly, highly support real estate agents and, and bringing customers to us because they're the, they're the front line. And unfortunately there's a lot of builders that don't pay them. Um, and, hey, that's better, better for us because we do pay. So the way I like to see it, the proper way is a discussion. So the agent calls me, tells me, hey, I got a client that I recommend I referred to. you. Uh, they're this, this, and this. Can I register them? They register that client. If I need the agent in any kind of meeting, they're present at the meeting. Usually I don't because you, and there is agents that want to come for at least the first initial one. Uh, if you do come for the first initial build meeting, just don't give your two cents. (laughs) You know, I mean, you sold them a lot. You can give a little bit of opinion on some stuff, but as far as the build, let the builder kind of do his talking. He's been especially an experienced one. They know what they're doing on the build end and on the resale end too. As a builder, you are trained in resale because you do do spec homes. So as an agent, I know that's the biggest thing with agents is I know resale though. You got to add this, you got to have this, you got to, you know, that's a whole different
0: ball game, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, I mean, that's the thing. If you are in the meetings, that's fine, but just, you know, help the client along the way too. I got a client now that talks to the agent frequently. Um, the agents involved and kind of helps you know here and there and so on, but the agents not bugging us at all, saying, "Hey, I think you need to do this, this, and this." And if a client does have a concern, the agent calls me and tells me as the builder, "Hey, I think they're a little more they're concerned about this," which is awesome. Cause I'm getting feedback from another party about the client that, or they tell me what I should look for in the client too. You know, I work with some really good agents, top agents in this area. I try and form those relationships with them because I know it's their, their top producers. They're going to be bringing me people to build It benefits both parties. They're getting paid. We're getting paid. Everybody, the customer's happy. They know our quality um, and that's the thing too, as an agent, if you are bringing people to a builder, make sure it's a good builder. Um, cause a lot of agents are, are just hungry for that commission and there's a lot of new builders that offer high, high incentives, like four and a half percent to agents. If you bring us people, just to let you know, those new builders that it's going to be a year and a half, but by the time that house gets built, are you going to get paid is the main question. Because they're offering all these incentives. But is your customer going to be happy too? Because that's on you as an agent. If they're pissed off with the build situation, well, guess who referred them? Uh, That's on you as well. So they're probably not going to have that good relationship with you.
0: Exactly. And that's that's a good thing to remember as an agent. No matter who you're referring, whether it's a builder or home inspector or a contractor, Mm -hmm. They're going to associate their experience with the person you referred them in directly back to you. So make sure you're, (laughs) you aren't, you aren't just blindly referring people, um, to, to contractors or builders or home inspectors without knowing anything about them.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And I've had agents that are incentivized by certain builders and they refer them, but then their people don't want to go with those builders. And because the, these agents are working strictly with those builders and then their people come to me and then that agent calls me saying, Hey, I recommend You, I go, no, come on. <laughs> you know, you work for this builder. Give me a break. Your people didn't like, like it. They wanted more custom. And now you're trying to get money out of us. So just be honest. I mean, I no offense to realtors. I mean, I got my broker's license too, because I didn't want the realtor tag behind my name to be honest, because a lot of realtors put bad and impre- bad taste in people's mouths just by the way they do business. They're money hungry. They put a bad taste on a lot of builders mouths too, because they're constantly coming out of the woodworks saying I had one, one situation, one job I have right now. I had three different realtors call me about that job saying they referred this customer. <laughs> three of them and i asked my customer and he i go how many realtors did you work with and he goes i i was talking to a few at first and then this one you know i got the lot out of this one and blah 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 so i was like geez so every one of them i had to tell him i'm like you had nothing to do with that bill like nothing you know they came to us blah 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 but it's just fun that just shows like the the impression that they have on you know, I referred you. I referred you. It's just the three different ones, like, come on. Yeah.
0: Right. Know. There's nothing worse than a realtor with commission breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that you host the the Real Build Podcast. Um, so why did you start the podcast and and, and what's your goal with it?
1: So I started the real build. I think it's been like a year and a half ago, almost two years actually now. I think two years will be in April, but, uh, which is crazy. But uh, I started it, um, Because there wasn't anything out there like it, Uh, it, it's kind of to show people what to look for with the construction and real estate industries in general. So I still have mortgage people, interior designers, insurance agents, different. I got to have another mortgage person on them. I'm looking for a good one because there's what the mortgage is, the way they are and ticking up. I'd like some info on that for people but um, tax specialists, stuff like that, just different people in the industry and, and kind of showing clients what to look for. But it also helps builders, it helps realtors, because you're hearing from some top performing people. I've had new builders on guys that are just getting started in the industry. And I've kind of, you know, had a conversation to try and help them on the show as well. But I've had high, high end builders that are you know, in two or three different states that are doing luxury homes. I've had remodel guys that are doing really well. And it seems everybody has that same mindset of just taking care of the customer more than anything, uh, which is so important. So that's what that show, what my show is about is kind of helping clients because there wasn't anything out there like that. When I was researching it at the time, there was more how to, how to become a builder, how Mm -hmm. to be a good contractor, contractor school or Tom Ferry with how to become a real estate agent and so on. So, you know, I didn't want to be a coach to builders. Uh, you know, you, uh, you can listen and hear how I do things and how we do it right. I'm constantly preaching about that, you know, four punch outs and doing, doing walkthroughs constantly, making sure sites are clean. Just be. I mean, it's not hard to do good. Uh, it's something as long as you have the client top of mind and as long as you have organization and everything too that's that's business 101 so that's what that shows about and it's been pretty steady um it's been tough to schedule and everything i'm sure you know being in this crazy industry and then also doing construction and home watch and now i just started a sports card business online so i just opened my llc for that so uh, I get over my head sometimes, but yeah, I'm been getting it done.
0: So <laughs> yeah, you've got a, you've got a lot of irons in the fire and it's, I, I was going to ask you about that. So the sports card, uh, collecting and investing, and now it sounds like a, a, a business. Is that something that started when you were a kid and just kind of carried over into adulthood or is that something you've just kind of recently, uh, it was, it got into,
1: it was both. Um, so as a kid, I collected quite a bit. Um, I think I lost like some of the stuff. I, I, I had a Michael Jordan card that's worth like, I, I it's driving me insane. I moved when I moved recently a year ago. Um, I don't know what happened to that card. I remember I pulled it out of my desk and I might've placed it somewhere and knowing me, I thought it was somewhere safe, but now I don't remember where I put it, but drive me crazy but yeah i had some good cards when i was a kid but now mostly it's been recent this last fall i really got into it started buying and selling and and um really getting into the investing side uh i i'm pretty deep into it i mean it's fun it's kind of a little side hustle for me at you know like at night um it's if I'm not spending time with my girlfriend and she goes to bed I like I don't like to go to bed early I'm I'm kind of a I function differently I guess I get about on average six and a half hours of sleep for anybody that wants to know but that's good for me and then um Starbucks is a good friend of mine too but it's uh Uh, I kind of spend time sorting cards, kind of going through pricing, stuff like that. It's a good investment opportunity. Um, A lot of people are starting to get into it uh, as an an alternative because you have a physical asset. I mean, when a Luka Doncic card, if anybody doesn't know who Luka Doncic is, he's a modern day NBA player on the Dallas Mavericks, probably one of the best in the league right now. Uh, Just sold for $4.1 million it's insane. And then a LeBron James cards, his rookie cards are selling for on average a hundred and something thousand. And yeah, Michael Jordan's incredible. Rookie, clear rookie selling for 350,000 uh, Tom Brady. So there's just, it's a lot of uh, opportunity in it. If you know what you're doing, I love sports. So uh, nothing better than investing in sports. So uh, I enjoy it more than the stock market.
0: So, it, it, speaking of sports, you played college football. Is that correct? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. where did you play?
1: I played one year at Sacred Heart University. It was a one AA in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. Uh, too cold, and then I transferred to Florida International University, which Smart. was a one D- Division one program. And then after that, I ended up getting hurt, and that's when I wrapped up my college career and my NFL dreams. So.
0: Gotcha. So are you more of a professional sports guy or a college sports guy?
1: Uh, so I, I ended up graduating from university of South Florida. Their football team has not been really good. I was a Gator fan growing up, but when you go to college for USF, that's kind of turned me into a more of a USF. They're never really good. So I'm more professional to answer your question. I love pro football. Um, I know it more. I follow it more. Um, I was just on a friend's podcast. He's more college football related, as far as his podcast, uh, which is fine. I still watch college football, just not as heavy into it as I am NFL. I'm a big Bears fan, so um, hoping the Bears do something with their quarterback situation <laughs> coming up here. So,
0: yeah, I'm a I'm a big University of Louisville fan, and, and okay. speaking of South Florida, you all gave us some pretty pretty. Uh, Disappointing losses yeah. there for for a little while in, in in football. So so I've got one more question for you. It's kind of a curveball. Um yeah. and I think I may already know the answer to this just from talking to you here today. So if you had to make a choice and give up your brokerage, the real estate side, or give up the construction business, which one would you choose?
1: Yeah, you already know the answer. It'd <laughs> be the real estate <laughs> yeah. side, hands down. Um, just the construction background that I have. I just love doing it. i passionate about it. I as a little kid too I, I used to build stuff all the time as a little kid. It's crazy how it all comes to life. I remember just Legos anything you could imagine I was building and making stuff all the time and and had a very good imagination and and now being able to design homes and help with that aspect of and give my recommendation and build them and make people happy along with my brother and my sister is with us too. Like I said, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been good. It's been fun. It's been, um, there's challenging, obviously that's this business. It's challenging constantly, but yeah, uh, really enjoy it. And for many years to come, second generation with the company. So, um, plan on growth. That's the biggest thing I want to grow it. Um, so yeah, answer your question. Definitely the construction side of things.
0: Well, awesome. You look like a young guy, so I think you've got plenty (laughs) of years ahead of you to, to build that and grow it. And Bill, I I, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate your time. Um, any last thoughts or anything we didn't discuss that you want to throw out there?
1: Uh, not, I mean, if, like I said, if you're a real estate agent, um, you're just now getting into real estate, which I'm sure you got a lot of listeners that are just, I mean, don't, don't let, it's going to be hard at first. Obviously you're going to probably get that one sale off of a family member. Most realtors do to start, but you got to keep going video, uh, get yourself out there, open yourself up to new, uh, new things that you didn't do. Get uncomfortable. I'm big on that. Uh, you never get ahead being comfortable. So repeat that in your mind, because if you're uncomfortable and you're doing uncomfortable things, that's what's going to drive you to have success in this industry. Uh, I do a ton of video. I just put it out there. I don't care. I don't need fancy edits. I don't need any of that stuff. I'm a big advocate on just getting in front of people, and people comment on my stuff all the time. Do a podcast like Glenn and I, uh, you know, just find some kind of media source. There's Clubhouse now. Get on Clubhouse and have conversations with people. Grow your network. Uh, network is the biggest thing um, because of COVID. We got to network in different ways, but it's just figuring out and pivoting and and just just doing what you can to be better as much as possible and grow each and every day. Um, I'm a big advocate on that. Constantly doing different things to try and get ahead. So uh, that's my my last bit of advice. And uh, yeah, go check out my podcast. Listen to this one. I will definitely
0: share this one, Glenn.
1: I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate it, Bill. Hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right, thanks to Bill Ryman once again for joining us today. And if you want to learn all about custom home building and a whole lot more, check out Bill's podcast, The Real Build Podcast, on your favorite platform. And if you're looking to buy or build a home in the Marco Island, Naples, Florida area, be sure to visit RymanProperties.com, RKRyman.com, or shoot Bill an email at Bill at RKRyman.com. And be sure to tell him you heard him right here on Putting the Real in Real Estate. Thanks for listening, everyone, or watching if you're seeing this on YouTube. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and hit the subscribe button on YouTube as well. Until next time, everyone, I hope you have a great day.